Ever waddle to the bathroom after sex, towel between your legs, desperately trying to keep the freshly delivered load from dripping down your leg and onto your hardwood? Well, worry no more. Awkward Essentials introduces the drip stick, or as I like to call it, the cum sponge. This medical grade sponge sucks up jizz before it sneaks onto your sheets. Visit awkwardessentials.com today and use my code, WYP, for a 10% discount. They offer numerous products for all types of fun fluids. Keep your shorts semen free and use my code today. That's WYP and save 10%. Awkward Essentials, making bodily fluids less awkward. What's Your Petition podcast may contain adult themes, sexual discussions, and strong language. We want everyone to be educated, but we are intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Live from Nana's backyard in Garden Grove, California, this is What's Your Position. On today's show, we talk to Justin Lee Miller about non-monogamy. Oh, George, I like you. I like you too, Eva. Hey, we should make love sometime. And now, your host, Ashley Weller. Welcome, fellow humans, to a much-anticipated and extremely exciting episode of What's Your Position? The fuck was that from? Uh, Wonderlust. Oh, yeah. Paul Rudd. Jennifer that, you know what? You know what's funny is that you told me to watch this movie... Probably eight episodes I'm gonna ago. Fuck, I'm gonna fuck ya. <laughs> Paul Rudd is that him in a mirror. That scene alone that, is so good. I don't even know how long it took them, or how many takes they did, or how he like. It's ridiculous. But I, Kevin, and I watched it. Great movie. Great fucking movie. Hi, Lucy. I mean, it's a, it's I, big, I, oh, I yeah. watched that when I was kind of young, and uh, there's a lot of full frontal nudity in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I was not prepared for that being like I don't know, 15. <laughs> yeah, you should have been. I should have been. Now <laughs> you're a good one. Uh, it's a great movie. Well, that hey, is really good. I've bugged you a lot about movies. You've watched that one. Please watch Three Identical Strangers. Finish that. I movie. did. You finished it. I did. It you, took me three times. You finished it. I did. I finished it. All right, we'll talk about it off the air. All right. This is so so scrutiny. <laughs> hey Ashley, what are we doing today? <laughs> <laughs> well, today we are uh, going to introduce you to an episode that I recorded with Justin Lee Miller. Ah, God <laughs> and my like sex guru. So I, when I started like searching for textbooks to teach. So back in like 2019, I was getting my master's. Dave was telling me, as soon as you graduated, we're hiring you at Chapman. It's 2019. We're fucking carefree. We don't have a fucking worry in the world about school or illnesses of any kind because it's 2019. I'm set to graduate in April and I'm like, I'm going to teach in the fall of 2020. I need to start coming up with a syllabus, coming up with some textbooks, like figuring out how I'm going to teach human sexuality. And I remember my first human sexuality teacher, Dr. Hernando Chavez, shout out. Um, he had this amazing textbook that was like not 
crazy clinical, big words, lots of crazy anatomy pictures. It was very personal and felt like someone was talking to you. So I bought four textbooks off of Amazon. Um, I, I like research. <laughs> crazy. You did research. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I researched all of these textbooks that had come out recently. And I was like, okay, what did the students say? Not what did the teachers say? What do the students say about these books? And I bought four and returned three because they were awful. And Justin Lay Miller was the book that I ended up choosing for my very first human sexuality class. And I actually didn't even fucking realize this. But there is a human being here who was in my very first Hi. semester as a professor. Yes. Uh, our new intern, Lil Turn. Lil, Lil Turn. Turn. Not, not Lucy for our audio fans. Oh, yeah. Like, Hi, Lucy. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah. Lucy's um, yeah, a dog. Yeah, a dog. <laughs> And, and Lily, she came up to give me a Lil kiss. Lil Turn is not a dog. <laughs> Lil no, Turn. I, I mean, I'm she's human. my dog. <laughs> D-A-W-G. D-A-W-G. Oh, my God. Uh, but Lily was in my my class as a, my indeed. very first semester as a professor. You cried and a lot. I cried so much. <laughs> I was just going to say, I cried so much so in my first semester. I cry every semester. Like, I cried this semester. Like, yes, I don't did. think I'll ever not be excited about teaching. And Justin Lee Miller embodies that as well. He loves teaching and he has been doing it for longer than me. So he's got textbooks that he's written. He's got actual books that he's written. And I talk about him on this podcast all the time. And I said about a year ago, I'm going to do an episode on consensual non-monogamy with Justin Lay Miller. And I messaged him on Instagram <laughs> Hold on, Ashley. Before you, let's let's describe what what that is because I your metaphor you had earlier. I was asking oh, okay. you because oh, I was yeah. trying to that figure actually, out a quote, and I, your metaphor was pretty great. What you. what I is love, I love non non consensual C N M. So oh, okay, we use the abbreviation C N M, which is consensual non monogamy, and that means um, engaging in activities that are romantic or intimate. Um, outside of your primary relationship um, or even within your primary relationship or maybe you don't have a primary relationship. But consensual non-monogamy is uh, going outside the norms of what society thinks a relationship should be, which is one man, one woman. It's very heteronormative. Um, it relies heavily on the fact that you you basically make your partner the sole responsibilitur of all of your emotional and physical and intimate and romantic needs, which is what we do as a society. Your partner is your best friend, your librarian, your cook, your cleaner, your uh, childcare, your laundry, laundry <laughs> your lover, your therapist, your best friend, your designated driver. I mean, we put these roles on our significant, and it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a heavy load. But it's what we ask of our partners in a heteronormative society. We say one person, one man, one woman, you get married, and this person bears the brunt of that load. And we see a 50% divorce rate. 
for a lot of what? reasons. Why? One of them being expectations, one of them being contempt and resentment. We see a high divorce rate because you put all this weight on this other person and when they don't live up to all of those things or when they fail at one of those things or when they lack in one of those areas, we can build resentment, we can build contempt, we can build jealousy or we can start seeking it outside of that relationship because this person may not be a good lover. This person may not be a good friend. This person may not be a good therapist. And you may start seeking outside of your relationship. So consensual non-monogamy is when two people in a relationship say, I'd like to invite other people into our lives, whether it be for sex or novelty or to fulfill a fantasy, or whether it be for long term. We need a third person because it's almost like the movie Multiplicity. Do you ever see that with um, Michael Keaton? No. Where he makes copies of himself? You can ask me that question because I'm old enough. Thank you. <laughs> Are you this tall? Yeah. Okay. I actually, it's it's a stupid movie and the CGI does not hold up, but I remember being a kid, like, I, it was on HBO. I'd yeah. watch it. Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. I'd watch that shit right now. They, Kevin and I quote that movie all the time. It's a great, they, <laughs> it's should, a read, they should redo it. I got a wallet. Uh, they should. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I got I you something. A, a chainsaw? A monkey? <laughs> a book? <laughs> I'm sorry. That movie is so fucking good. Michael Keaton is just... Michael Keaton God makes damn. copies of himself, and one of the copies goes to work, and one of the copies has sex with his wife so that he can relax, because he's a contractor, and he's, like, really I stressed gotta out. got to concentrate on work. So right. Funny. So... If you think of consensual non-monogamy in an umbrella term, and Justin and I go into this in the beginning of the episode, but consensual non-monogamy is an umbrella, okay? So, like, think of an umbrella and how many spikes are on an umbrella. Hold on. Use the metaphor. I'm going to. So, consensual non-monogamy is an umbrella term, similar to the term sports, all right? Sports, when I say the word sports... Everyone in the room, whether it's two people or 500 people, thinks of something different. They think golf, bowling, football, baseball, basketball, hockey, badminton, pickleball. You'd be wrong, right? But you, those are the sports you're thinking. If it's not baseball or football, I don't want to talk to you. Um, so here's... Those weren't your first two. I know, you, you right? You said like bowling and golf. I know, I did. I said <laughs> the two weirdest ones. But everyone thinks of a different sport. And so under that umbrella, there are different prongs that keep the umbrella open. Think of consensual non-monogamy as an umbrella. And under that umbrella are things like polyamory, swinging, open relationships, monogamish relationships. There are different terms that live under that umbrella. So polyamory is baseball and swinging is football and uh, open relationships is basketball. So it's like you keep the umbrella open with these large terms. Polyamory and consensual non-monogamy are not the same thing. Polyamory is a category underneath consensual non-monogamy. And so Justin and I, in in this in the first episode that we do, um, is about the types of poly or the types of consensual non-monogamy that there are, um, 
how to open your relationship, the tip of the day, uh, what what you can do to open your relationship, including compromise, um, navigating stigma and shame, figuring out why you want to swing, how you want to swing, setting boundaries. Um, and then we talk about uh, the statistic of the day. So I wanted to... Hold on a second. I wasn't here for these recordings. No, I know. So I have to put the sound effect? Did you make time for these sound effects in there? Do I need to go in there? or are you? Just yeah, no, to... I made time. Oh, shit. All right. Oh, okay. yeah. All right. And I dance, too. <laughs> I dance. I, I <laughs> tell... Dancey dance? I do. Oh, wait, there is video of this I say, on. like... Yeah. And now it's time for my... And I, and I do a little dance. <laughs> oh, and we're going to do it right now. So, so we're going to do it. Oh, the stats. Oh, yeah. Oh, and then you announce it on the episode. Oh, and, I and, 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 and I announce it on the episode okay. because... Everybody right, needs well, to participate. Me you need to participate. Need to participate. <laughs> if husband Kevin Weller was here, he Lucy Lucy Lucy, where did she go? I don't even fucking know where she went. Hey, yeah, where is she? I don't know. Is she maybe Brad took her. Maybe. maybe took her inside. Where's a good girl? She's a she's Doberman Pinscher Pitbull mix, and she is she's so fucking cute. Quite possibly the most precious she's animal that nap. ever existed. She's probably in the garage taking a nap. Whatever. It's good fine. for her. No, they might have brought her inside the actual house. Oh. Into her little cage. Yeah. It's oh. a nice cage. It's a nice cage. Big cage. It's Big. Not, it's like a cave. <laughs> yeah. It's a dog. And it's they, like a man yeah. cave for a dog. That's awesome. She's yeah, precious. Anyway, great. so uh, we do go into the stat of the day, so we can get into that right fucking now. Oh, right now? Right now. You dick. That's mine. That's my drop. It's Hornblow might have made this, but you did sing on it. This is, this is Ashley. It is me. Uh, it's a little bit auto tune. Yeah, for sure. Oh, I don't doubt it. We did this in like two takes, I think. Uh, in a therapeutic setting, how many people that were engaged in consensual non-monogamy reported that their therapist lacked knowledge about consensual non-monogamy. Oh. So it's a blank in blank. So I'm going to give you the second oh. number. Hold on. Wait. So how many out of five, so oh. blank in five, that engaged in consensual non-monogamy stated their therapist lacked knowledge about consensual non-monogamy? Am I giving you a number out of mm -hmm. five and then one a percentage? out of five? No, just oh, one just out of five. One out of five. Um, it's like the dentist <clears throat> and gum thing. Like four out of five dentists. Ten, yeah. ten dentists. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So okay. blank out of five. Two out of five. Three out of five. Four out of five. Five out of five. People I'm in consensual non-monogamy stated their therapist lacked basic knowledge about consensual non-monogamy. I will give you this because I gave it to Justin. Nearly one in ten reported their therapist encouraged them to terminate all consensual non-monogamous relationships. One in 10 Whoa. reported their therapist pushed them to terminate their intimate consensual non-monogamous relationships. So That's how many out of five said that their therapist lacked basic knowledge? Go ahead, little turn. <laughs> I'm going to go with, my first thought was four, but I think I'm going to go with three. Okay, three out of five. Well, I'm going to pickle here. <clears throat> no six or nine. I know. You yeah. can't. Yeah. <laughs> You're literally yeah. fucked. <laughs> you actually have to And fight. she took three, which is a derivative of six. I mean, Ooh. you said I couldn't do decimals, so I'm going to do 0.69%. Okay. okay. Less than one. Okay. Less than one. Okay. Less than one. I, mean, I like that. you just that. said one out of ten said. <laughs> right. I, I know. So I, I 
exactly. There is really no way to know which how this goes. So in a yeah. therapeutic Basically, setting, I'm going to say one. But okay, point but point six nine. <laughs> um, and then we talked about after the statistic of the day uh, how to. Um, open your relationship to consensual non-monogamy and how to keep that long-term relationship, that primary partnership, the focus. Um, so before we go to the episode, I just wanted to share a little bit about Justin Lay Miller. Aside being my um, nerd crush, um, he is a doctor of social psychology from Purdue University, a research fellow at the Kinsey Institute. We love Kinsey. Hashtag unofficial sponsor Kinsey um he is the author official sponsor I mean sure he's is dead, Kinsey so. coming up no come he's on. fucking he's not come on. um he is the author of the book tell me what you want so after my first semester as a professor and I assigned this textbook right it was the best textbook it was actually okay great textbook. yeah it was actually one that I be like I had to read it but I didn't hate reading it right it was like fun to read right yeah right and i kept i have mine i have notes and sticky tabs and i love it i it's and he just redid it for i think it's the third edition he just did this year so or he's making edits on the third edition right now so like additions mean they go back and like redo the data and stuff. Yeah. So they just... just look and see if there's anything that needs to be updated, any terminology oh. that needs to be updated, any new statistics that have come out about specific things like divorce or polyamory or Why doesn't he just do a new book? Um, because he's done so much research and there's so much stuff that stays the same. Like anatomy is not going to change. Is, I guess it is like a new book, basically. Yeah. I mean, you're going through and editing everything and making sure that everything is still accurate and up right. to date. But right. um, like he had to update the fact that we used to think that there was 8,000 nerve endings in the clitoris, but that was done on cows. And what? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. I was, that oh was a God. study done on cows. Um, I mean, that's a fetish. It's weird. But I, what? Animals, right? Oh, I see, she's right there. I Lucy. see weird. Cows? No, no. Girls on Reddit, like in cow bikinis. What? It's, what? it's, it's weird. That that's is a little weird. weird. It's that's not like weird. a milk. They just, it's weird. Okay. I don't really get it. Weird. I don't understand that at all. Yeah. Um, that's also, not what we're talking about. No, Justin Lee Miller. Not Justin Lee Miller. <laughs> uh, he had to go back and update the book because we found out there's actually 12,000 nerve endings in the clitoris by actually oh, examining... Yeah. A clitoris of, of a human. Of a human? Shocking. Shocking. <laughs> um, but they, funny enough, they did it on a guy. <laughs> Oddly <laughs> enough, <laughs> it was a female orangutan. Um, so he did this massive uh, research study on individuals from the United States about their fantasies and wrote a book about it called Tell Me What You Want. I assign that now as a textbook instead of the textbook textbook. And it's a really great way for individuals to understand fantasy, understand, you know, that it's normal to have these ideas about sex that exist outside of your monogamous relationship and that the majority of people have fantasies about other fucking people. So it's a really great book. Um, he focuses on research that has to do with casual sex, sexual fantasies, sexual health, friends with benefits. Um, and he has a podcast called Sex and Psychology with Dr. Justin Lay Miller. And <laughs> your girl's been on it three times. Um, so you can go and check out his podcast as well as his website, sexandpsychology.com, where he has a blog, um, links to his podcast, and ways that you can contact him and reach out to him. But before you do that, go back and listen to our episode <laughs> where we had Justin, Justin already on. Well, so. yeah, no, that's this episode, I'm saying. Like, Wait, no, gonna- this is... 
This is the second one he's been on, right? No. This is the first this one? This is it. Oh. No, this is the episode. Oh, shit. This I thought, is I thought, the uh, Oh, episode. I'm thinking of the one you were on. <laughs> right. I went on his podcast shit. back in June twice. I've done so many of these episodes. And <laughs> now I now I got him on oh, mine, which right. is huge. Like, this is That's so big. This is yeah. Big this is God. massive, which is what she said. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're going to take a break. Uh, when we come back, you are going to be able to see and hear me talk to Justin for our first episode with Dr. Justin Lay Miller. I'm so honored and so excited. Join us. Saturday, rest can wait. I got a list of million letters long. Nothing planned till I reach the end. Welcome, fellow humans, to an episode of What's Your Position? I am joined by the legendary, the one, the only, Dr. Justin LaMiller, um, whose book, right, right there. I'm so happy to have you. Like, I don't even know uh, if words can describe the, the joy that I have, um, to bring you on. And the topic of today's, uh, podcast is something that quite a few of my listeners have asked for. Oddly enough, um, I've mentioned it. I did a fantasy episode a while back and a BDSM episode and a few people, um, have sent me anonymous questions about, um, open relationships and swinging, and so I thought, who better to have on to discuss consensual non-monogamy than the expert himself, Justin Lee Miller. So here you are. Welcome. Here I am. Thanks for having me. And I love to answer anonymous questions. So <laughs> Yay. I know. Me too. Um, tell me a little bit about your work, what you do with the Kinsey Institute, um, and tell me a little bit about your book. So my career path has kind of been long and winding. I spent the first 10 years of my job as a college professor. And then about four years ago, I left to start my own business. And I really work in the business of sex education. So my job is diverse and varied. I do different things every day, but I run the sex and psychology blog and podcast, which aim to bring the science of sex to the masses, trying to translate the research in a way that people can use to improve and enhance their own intimate life. But I also do consulting work with sex toy and lubricant companies. I do expert witness work in sex-related criminal cases. I do a lot of different things. I write books. I I know you're magazines. so varied. Like you do so many things. You're like my guru, like who I eventually hope to become someday. <laughs> trying to walk in the footsteps of you is is a is a hard thing to do. You um you wrote one of my favorite books to use in my classes. Um, Tell me what you want, um, which is a book that you wrote about extensive research you did on the science of fantasies and, and the types of fantasies that human beings have. Um, is it the largest known research on fantasies in North America? Am I wrong when I tell people that? 
I frame it as the largest and most comprehensive survey of sexual fantasies in the U.S. To my knowledge, there isn't anything else out there that's quite like it in terms of sample size and then also the depth of the questions. Like there were 369 questions on that survey. So it was really a massive undertaking. So it's the biggest is what you're saying. As far as I know. It's the biggest. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Today, we're going to discuss not consensual non-monogamy. And I sort of wanted to break down quickly um, because monogamy is a whole other episode, but what monogamy is so that people can sort of get an understanding of what monogamy isn't. Um, Monogamy is not easy. And human beings tend to think they're monogamists, but I like to call us serial monogamists because as far as my understanding is concerned, to be monogamous, one must be with the same person from first romantic interlude until death. Even if that person dies and you're still alive, you are not with anyone else. So it's a very, very rare thing to be 100% truly monogamous. Am I correct? I mean, as with anything related to sex, you know, different people are going to define things in different ways. And so what you described would be a very strict definition of monogamy that some people have indeed followed. Some people do follow that. And they've only ever been with one person for their entire life. And sometimes when that partner passes away, they will never start another relationship or become sexually active with another person because they had that agreement with their partner. So yeah, yeah, some people do that, but I think it's pretty rare for people to follow that very strict definition. Do you know the statistic of how many people actually marry their high school sweetheart? Off the top of my head, I don't. Okay. So we do a segment here on what's your position called stat of the day. And this is my stat of the day. So my producer is going to play music behind me while uh, I introduce what it is. But I find the most interesting or fascinating statistic that I can find on my topic. And I make you guess and I make my producer guess and I have the audience guess. And then at the very end of the show, I will reveal the answer. So it entices people to listen. So, Justin, what do you think the percentage is of people who marry their high school sweetheart and stay with them forever? (laughs) Uh, The and stay with them forever part Mm -hmm. is the tricky (laughs) thing. So I'm guessing that the percentage of people who marry their high school sweetheart is going to be pretty small to begin with. And then the number that stay together forever is probably going to be even smaller. So I would put that maybe in like the two to three percent range, but it's a shot in the dark. I have no idea. Okay. All right. I am marking down your answer and we will figure out if you are right at the end of the episode. Stay tuned. Let's talk about a couple of different types of consensual non-monogamy because that CNM is an umbrella term, correct? It is. And it refers to a wide range of relationship structures and practices. So I like to think of it as relationship customization, where you can kind of build it out to meet your needs and the needs of any and all partners that you might have. Like a -a Build-A-Bear. Exactly. It's a -a (laughs) build-a-relationship. And so in terms of like, what are some of the different forms it can take? The most common ones that we tend to see are first polyamorous relationships where people will have multiple 
sexual and romantic relationships at the same time. Now, there are different ways within polyamory to practice that. You know, some people can practice what we call solo polyamory, where they don't have any, say, primary relationship. Uh, And, you know, they might have a number of partners, but there's not like one that is more primary than any of the others. And you can also be polyamorous and single, right? That could reflect your openness to being polyamorous, but you don't necessarily have to have multiple relationships at the same time. And so polyamory is one form, but what makes it different from some other kinds of consensual non-monogamy is that you are non-monogamous with respect to emotional connection to other people. So in contrast to that, we have open relationships and swinging. Swinging is usually a partner swapping type of arrangement. It can take place at parties or clubs or just between friends or couples who get together and they just engage in some kind of partner swap. But there's usually not an emotional component to that. It's usually more sexually based. And with an open relationship, there are some parallels with swinging, but it's not necessarily about swapping. It's just that there are some rules in place that allow you and your partner some freedom to go out and explore other sexual relationships, again, usually without a romantic or emotional component to them. And then there's all other kinds of ways you can do this. Cuckolding is another popular form of consensual non-monogamy where it's kind of like a threesome, but you have one person who's watching their partner have sex with somebody else. So there's this- And they're not, en- they're not engaging at all. Are they engaging in masturbatory behaviors when they're watching their partner or are they just sitting back with their hands under their ass? Like, what are they doing? And again, it varies. So with cuckolding, sometimes there's a BDSM component to it where one partner, the partner who's watching might be tied up or restrained in some way. And sometimes there's like a humiliation kink that goes along with it. It can go off in any number of directions. But again, the point here is just like, there's a lot of different forms. And the nice thing about it is you can figure out what works for you and try some different things. So an interesting thing that I learned when doing research for, um, for consensual non-monogamy was that in 2021, some, some cities in Massachusetts actually granted rights to polyamorous and consensually non-monogamous couples as if they were married, because obviously in this country, polygamy is illegal, right? We cannot marry more than one person at the same time. That's just, you cannot do that. You'll get, can you go to jail for that? Is that like literally jail time? Yeah. I mean, there are laws on the books. I I think they're often called bigamy laws. I mean, that's where you're married to two people at the same time. I don't know what the legal penalties for that are. I think (laughs) as with anything, it's going to vary from state to state, but yes, right now in the U S it is illegal to have multiple marriages. That are but in formally Mass- recognized. That are recognized, right. But in Massachusetts, they have actually granted uh, le- the same legal protections to polyamorous couples as as same-sex couples and, um, and opposite-sex couples as well. Uh, did you know this? There are some jurisdictions. They're more at the local level. I don't think this has happened at the state level yet anywhere. But in some local areas, there is a move toward granting rights to people who are in multi-partner relationships. There was actually very recently a ruling in New York uh, about this as well. And so there are some who think that this is going to be one of the next civil rights movements in the future is that sort of recognition of multi-partner relationships because it is heavily stigmatized. And, you know, 
it, it's going to be interesting and fascinating to watch and see how that works. Cause I have a lot of questions in my brain about how would it work if you had multiple marriages or multiple legally recognized relationships in terms of asset division and also in terms of things like who makes your medical decisions for you if you become incapacitated. You know, these are just things that we have to figure out a way to do. It's not to say they aren't doable, just that we've kind of always designed this around this presumption of monogamy and there's just this one other person for you. But what if there's multiple people? A duo instead of a triad or a quad, you know? Yep. in the United States, just so the listeners are aware, um, about 4 to 5% of the population is currently in some sort of consensually non-monogamous relationship, and about 12% of people report that consensual non-monogamy is their ideal relationship. Um, if only 4% are currently in a consensual, uh, non-monogamous relationship, but 12% are seeking that out, do we think that the two-thirds that aren't currently in that relationship are either um, in relationships where the other partner is not willing to go outside the relationship, or do we think those individuals maybe just aren't in a relationship right now? What is the Why is there such a difference between how many people are in one versus how many people that's their idea? If that's that's your ideal. Why aren't you in it? Why aren't you, you know, with people who are want to be in it? And another statistic I'm thinking of is there have been a couple of nationally representative surveys in the U.S. and Canada that have asked people, "Have you ever been in some type of sexually open relationship before?" And one in five people in Canada and the U.S. say they've been in some kind of sexually open relationship, which suggests that that's not uncommon. And as my friend Amy Moores loves to point out, you know, the percentage of the population that's been in a consensually non-monogamous relationship is the same size of the population that owns a cat, right? And cat owners <laughs> are not rare. <laughs> so that's just a way of kind of putting that in perspective. Oh my God. If you think of all the people that you know who own a cat... <laughs> <laughs> Then you can think of all the people that you know who have probably been in some sort of sec- of consensually non-monogamous relationship. And as we get into it, we'll explain a little bit more because some people are listening to this and they're going, there's no way. There is no way that I know people who are having threesomes or who are going to swingers clubs or who are um, having multiple relationships at the same time. But I would actually almost remind people that if you are a solo person and you're dating multiple people and they they all know that you're dating other people, that is a consensually non-monogamous, that goes under the umbrella of, of CNM, yeah? Yeah. I mean, there are some people who are engaged in relationship practices that don't consider themselves to be consensual non-monogamists. And to get back to your earlier question about, well, why is there this discrepancy between the number of people who want to be sexually open yeah. or romantically open versus the number who are actually doing it? I think there's a few things. One is that there's still a lot of stigma around being in some kind of sexually open relationship. And so that's part of what holds some people back is that sort of fear of judgment. But another part of it is that a lot of people just have no idea how would you even go about doing this because they've never met anybody else who is non-monogamous or they've never seen it work out or they just don't have a model for it. And so I think it's that uncertainty that holds a lot of people back as well. 
It's interesting that you say stigma and shame, uh, because that is my next section. So thanks for the segue. Uh, according to a research study um, done in 2013, um, CNM relationships are per perceived as having lower quality um, of romance, lower quality of um, longevity, and are also seen as more immoral than monogamous relationships. And th that's perception. Those are people's perceptions. That's not necessarily an accurate representation of what CNM relationships are. They also have a lot of stigma based on what takes place in a consensually non-monogamous relationship, whether it be inviting a third person into your bedroom, a fourth person into your bedroom, whether it involve cuckolding where your partner watches you have sex with someone else. Um, and sex in general is stigmatized and shamed more so than necessary, especially since it's something that we all do. Like we're do we're having sex. We're have we're boning. And most of us. It, most of us are boning. And a very smart man a very smart man that I know did this survey that showed a majority of people, both men and women, have had fantasies about multi-partner sex. Can you explain? Do you know this guy? <laughs> yeah, I think you're talking about my work there. Um, yes. And, you know, that's one of the things I saw in my research on sexual fantasies. You know, part of our fantasies is often about exploring different relationship structures. And most people across genders, including trans and non-binary individuals and across sexual orientations, have fantasized about being in some kind of sexually open relationship. And they actually fantasize about that more than they fantasize about committing infidelity, which suggests that people are more drawn to the idea of being sexually open and having it be above ground and approved of as opposed to sneaking around behind their partner's back. So it does seem to hold appeal to a lot of people. And I wanted to add one thing on to the study you mentioned about perceptions yes. of non-monogamists. I know that's Terry Conley's research and Amy Morris was involved in that yes. as well. And one of the things that they did in that study was they asked people to rate their perceptions of people who practice monogamy and consensual non-monogamy. And they rated them on all different kinds of aspects. But the interesting thing was that they threw in a bunch of arbitrary traits and characteristics, like how likely is this person to take a daily multivitamin and um, <laughs> brush their teeth and stuff like that. And it's like people, the participants in that study rated the non-monogamous as being less likely to do to these totally arbitrary teeth? things. Yeah. Like they oh, think they're less likely to take a multivitamin. God. And I think that that just speaks to the level of stigma around this idea that people just kind of think you're a bad person in a lot of ways. The odd thing is that there has not been research to prove that any of those perceptions are correct. Um, in fact, there are quite a few studies that suggest the opposite. Uh, they report equal levels of relationship satisfaction, equal levels of trust and commitment within their relationship. And some individuals would even say they have more trust um, and they have more sexual satisfaction within their consensually non-monogamous relationship than monogamists do. Because when you're in a relationship with just one other person and um, there's jealousy or there is the chance for infidelity, uh, the level of trust can really be put into question. But when you're honest with your partner about your sexual fantasies, your desires, and you're both 
on the same page and willing to take that to a place where you can be open, free, um, you can express yourself and your sexuality, we see that they may actually have higher levels of relationship satisfaction. Is that true? Yeah. I mean, this is one of the areas where the stereotypes don't match up with reality, you know? And I think just in terms of trying to put this in context, one of the things that I think is interesting about the studies that show no difference in relationship satisfaction, when you look at monogamists and consensual non-monogamists, I think you do have to look at that and recognize that one of these things is not necessarily superior to the other. And that any type of relationship can have problems and issues. And sometimes you're trading a relationship structure for a different set of problems and issues, right? So... I like to say, you know, I'm not an advocate for monogamy. I'm not an advocate for consensual non-monogamy. I'm an advocate for you figuring out what the right type of relationship is for you right now at this point in your life. And you have to recognize all relationships are complicated, complex, challenging, and there's no easy way to do them because we're humans and (laughs) we got baggage, you know? We do. We have baggage. (laughs) We have attachment styles. We have issues going on with past relationships that we bring into this relationship. Uh, We all have, you know, different things that we want sexually. Um, And it can be really scary to ask your partner um, to explore fantasies uh, with you. Um, I personally am so lucky with my husband that we share what our fantasies are. And if the other person is willing and able, um, then we typically are, are, are inclined to support that person's fantasy. Um, but there's not that across the board. And, and a lot of people are terrified to even bring up the idea of consensual non-monogamy. And one of the questions that I got the most was, how do I bring this up? I how somebody even went so far as to say, how do I ask my husband to do a consensually non-monogamous relationship when I know he doesn't want to? And my first thought when I read that question was, how do you know he doesn't want to? Have you asked before? Or has he explicitly said, I will, ne- I've seen, I, like he's seen it on television, he, I will never do that. How do you know he doesn't want it until you ask? But for the every other listener, uh, how do you broach that subject? You know, I get that question a lot as well. And I'm thinking of one of the first times I was ever asked this. I get an email from a reader who said, how do I convince my wife to go start sleeping with other men? You know, he was interested in cuckolding. And I'm like, you know... This isn't about convincing your partner to do something. Go ahead and change that language real quick. (laughs) Yeah, like we need to step back here. And and it's it's doing what you said where what do we actually know about what our partner is and isn't into? And what kinds of conversations have you had about sex before? You know, a lot of people want to make the leap immediately into enacting their fantasy of sex or their relationship or both. And it's like, 
you know, there's a lot of groundwork you have to do before this. And that starts with first normalizing conversations about sex and learning about what each other is into. And you can use games and technology to kind of help facilitate this. Like there are some apps I often recommend. I wish I had a financial stake in them because I <laughs> recommend them all the time. Um, but one is called X Confessions. The other one is called Own Your Sex. And they're both sort of like Tinder for sexual fantasies. And it's Ooh. a great way to kind of get that conversation started and start learning about each other. And so once you've got that is the building block and you've been sharing your fantasies, that's going to help you to build up trust and intimacy. And then you can start asking the more complex things like, what would you think about having a threesome? Or what are your thoughts on the idea of being in some type of sexually open relationship? Or how do you feel about swinging? You know, you can ask these open-ended sorts of questions where you don't have to take ownership and say like, I want to open our relationship, right? I want to bone someone else. (laughs) Yeah. It's like step back and just pose the question more broadly. But you have to do this in a way that is also not going to be perceived as threatening to your partner. You know, if you just mention this out of the blue, like, how do you feel about having a threesome? Your partner might feel like you want to replace them or you're not into them anymore. And so you always have to approach this from the standpoint of how am I going to validate my partner before I introduce this new idea of something that I want to talk about or explore. I like what you said about doing some sort of groundwork, like laying some some framework prior to swinging that big swinging for the fences and saying, you know, I I want to engage in consensual non-monogamy by laying the groundwork and saying, here are some of my fantasies. What are some of your fantasies? And doing so in over a over the course, I'm imagining, of a couple weeks, maybe months, um, and getting to know your partner's um, ins and outs sexually. Um, because without that, you're not going to be able to know what they like, even between the two of you in the bedroom and and making sure that you're both on that same page. So when you do introduce the idea of going to a sex club or going to a swingers club or um, looking on a website for a third person, um, it doesn't just come out of the blue and feel like, I guess we can do this. And then neither of you are on the same page the entire time. Alongside that, I wanted to go over a couple of reasons why people say um, they engage in consensual non-monogamy and get your thoughts on it. Sure. So the first reason that people say that they engage uh, in CNM is autonomy. They want to have control over their own bodies and how they interact with other people. Um, they want to have sexual autonomy and foster appendant, and independence. Um, and it's around, it's like kind of centered around the idea that we are all part of this heteronormative, um, monogamous, heavy culture, and human beings aren't necessarily monogamous by nature. And so taking back our sexual autonomy is one of the number one reasons people list for being in a consensually non-monogamous relationship. What are your thoughts? Yeah. So people are drawn to consensual non-monogamy for a lot of different reasons. And part of it is this autonomy that you often lose when you're in a monogamous relationship. You know, in monogamy, 
and I'm not trying to slam monogamy here. Monogamy can work really well for a lot of people and it's not inherently a bad thing. It's just, it often turns into something where there's sort of this perceived possessiveness of the other person. And you often have to set aside interests that you have that your partner doesn't share. That could be sexual. It could be non-sexual because you kind of have to be on the same page. You know, there's this idea that you need to be your best friend and you need to complete one another. And so you become so close that you sort of lose yourself in the relationship. And that's actually one of the most common reasons I hear from people in terms of why they cheat is that they sort of lost their sense of self in that monogamous relationship because they didn't have the opportunity to go out and keep exploring the world on their own terms anymore. So that's one of the appeals of consensual non-monogamy is you can get out and you can really be yourself in a lot of ways and you don't have to be completely absorbed or totally merged with just one other person. Yeah, the next the next one that they mentioned was belief systems, the beliefs that we hold about what society wants us to do or what our parents want us to do or what our partners want us to do. And when I was researching consensual non-monogamy, a lot of what I was um, seeing and hearing was that people are very frustrated with the fact that they're expected to be their partner's everything. They're expected to be their financial coach. They're expected to be their best friend. They're expected to to be their biggest cheerleader. They're expected to be there and be a caretaker. They're expected to be their sexual partner. They're expected to be uh, their sounding board when they're frustrated. And it is such a, a heavy weight to lay on one person. And individuals who engage in consensual non-monogamy um, tend to tout belief systems as this idea that it's it's to spread around, you know, how, how much we depend upon our partners by involving other people in our relationship. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of emotional labor <laughs> involved in monogamy <laughs> when you're trying to complete each other and be the everything to your partner. But it's important to recognize that there's a heck of a lot of emotional labor in consensual non-monogamy as well. You're just spreading that around with different partners. And one of the places where I've seen consensual non-monogamy go off the rails for some people is that they bring on too many partners or start too many relationships too quickly and their resources, their capacity becomes stretched really thin. And so, you know, again, it's just sort of this idea that all, no matter what our relationship structure is, we need to figure out better ways to navigate it and Mm -hmm. have healthy relationships. Yeah. Another reason that people engage in consensual non-monogamy is for sex, for sexuality, because there might be kinks or fantasies that your partner just cannot in in their bones cannot fulfill for you um, or physically cannot fulfill for you. If you are a, uh, a heterosexual female and you have a fantasy of being with another woman and you're married to a, a penis owner, it's going to be very difficult for that penis owner to turn into a woman and fulfill your sexual fantasy of being with a woman. So people engage in consensual non-monogamy to have different fantasies and different kinks fulfilled. I have heard a lot of uh, people on the other side of uh, the side where, you know, they're not for consensual non-monogamy, liken this to being selfish. Can you speak a little bit to that? Yeah. I mean, (laughs) this idea of what 
counts as being selfish. I mean, I I don't know. It's it's a subjective judgment. You know, wanting to have multiple partners, there are some people who do consider that to be selfish because you're doing something for you and your individuality and your needs. By contrast, there are other people who think that you should always be sacrificing for your partner and that relationships and especially monogamous relationships are all about this sacrifice and subverting or putting your needs on a lower pedestal than those of your relationship and your partner. So I think that's where that idea comes from, but I don't know. I don't (laughs) tend to get too hung up on that, but yeah. Yeah, It's, it's interesting to me that, that anyone would see the, the, the need for sexual, sexual exploration as selfish where I would think that the need for sexual exploration without involving your partner and doing so behind their back is more selfish in my mind. And then on the other hand, doing things against what you want to do or against your moral code just to make your partner happy is going to breed resentment. And once you have resentment towards your partner, it's difficult to come back from that. And I think this idea that wanting to meet your sexual needs is selfish just stems from broader negative attitudes towards sex that, you know, sex isn't that important and, or that sex is only special if it's with your monogamous partner. And so it just reflects a very different worldview on sex, but you are so right that sexual needs are part of what draws people to consensual non-monogamy. And in some of my research, I find that some individuals have one partner with whom they're very kinky and engage in BDSM practices, but with another partner might be very vanilla sex. And for Mm -hmm. some people, it is about that sexual self-exploration. Maybe you're bisexual or pansexual. And so you want to explore some of these different sex and gender-based attractions that you have that might be impossible to explore if you were in a monogamous relationship with one other person. Right. Um, We're going to take a quick break, but before we do, can you just answer a quick question? This is not a quick question. I'm such an asshole. Uh, What happens if you bring up consensual non-monogamy to your partner um, and you go through the different types, you know, polyamory, um, cuckolding, swinging, and you both agree, yeah, let's try consensual non-monogamy, but you want different types of consensual non-monogamy. What is a good way to get that Venn diagram to (laughs) overlap so that you can both enjoy CNM, um, while not sacrificing maybe, um, your core values. Yeah. It's the same advice that I give to people when it comes to any situation where two partners have different fantasies or desires that they would like to try. And sometimes people just aren't on the same page about that. So one helpful way to kind of bridge that gap is to step back and have a different conversation where instead of saying, what is it that you want to do? Ask, how is it that you want to feel? Like, what is it that you really want to get out of this? And that's a totally different conversation. And if you Mm -hmm. can think about it from that level and start listing, okay, here are the things that I want. Maybe you can kind of craft a custom agreement for how you're going to proceed. That's going to meet everybody's needs, but maybe doesn't look like this preconceived idea that either partner had to begin with. And again, it just goes back to how this is all totally customizable. And there's usually going to be a solution. Like if you're both interested in open, 
opening up in some way, there is going to be some type of relationship structure that'll work for you. But I think it often necessitates stepping back and looking at what are the core needs? What do we want to get out of this? And how can we design it in a way that everybody's getting what they want? And the other piece of advice there is, you know, it's it's taking baby steps. You know, it's not mm-hmm. necessarily going from, let's say you were in a monogamous marriage for 10 years or 15 years. It's not like you suddenly go out and you're full-blown polyamory, right? I mean, you you could do that and maybe it'll work, but it might be too much too soon. You know, in some cases it might start with, let's have a threesome together. Like if you want to explore sexual dynamics with multiple partners at the same time, maybe that's your entry point. Or maybe it's if you want to open up and have relationships with other people, maybe you don't jump right into sex. You start first by going out and just flirting with other people and you don't take it any further than that. So you can sort of test the boundaries and see what everybody's comfortable with. So think of it as baby steps to getting to where you want to be. Easing in. Exactly. Easing in. I gotcha. All right. We're going to ease into a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about what are the most common boundaries that need to be set when engaging in consensual non-monogamy. We're going to talk a little bit about jealousy. And then we are going to finish up our anonymous questions from the listeners. I'm so excited. Join us. Welcome back, fellow humans. Thanks for turning in to, uh, tuning in to the first episode with Justin Lee Miller, my god. <laughs> I seriously hope he never, ever fucking listens to any of my episodes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, god. Oh. Uh, this is Jake Bug, by the way. I, I love Jake this Bug. This is a really good song. Oh, he's amazing. I do. I've I loved him for years, actually. I walked down the aisle to a Jake Bug song. That's um awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Uh, and then Kevin and I went and saw him and met him and I told him I walked down the aisle to his song and he like was aghast, like just Aww. taken away. Like, what? Like, <laughs> I love your music so much. <laughs> yeah, it's great. But yeah, I love him. So anytime anytime I can promote him, I will. Um, hopefully you got some good information out of that, uh, first part of the episode with Justin. Um, we talked about a couple different things. We focused a lot on the swinging aspect of consensual non-monogamy because as I said in the beginning, it is very much like an umbrella. So it would be like having a one podcast about sports. Like you can't, you have to try to narrow it the fuck down. So, um, we talked about setting boundaries, defining emotional boundaries, the why, why do you want to open your relationship? Why? What is the need, the desire, the feeling? Is it just a one-off? Is it something that you feel you're you're lacking? Is it something that you can um, speak to that is tangible? Making sure that you have safe sex. If you are opening your relationship to other people coming in and having sex with you and your partner, making sure you're doing so safely with condoms and laurels. Speaking of safe sex, um, if you're going to have oral sex, laurels is an excellent option um, to use besides a dental dam or a condom. They taste like vanilla. They have sizes 0 to 36. Um, They are incredible. MyLaurels.com. Use my new code, WYP. (laughs) Is that official? That's fucking official. Ooh, love it. 
and get 10% off your order. They do four packs. They do 10 packs. Um, they're incredible. FDA approved Even for like STI size protection. 36. They're pretty stretchy. I bet you could, I bet you could get to 40. Oh, you can get, you oh, get to 40. They did a video where yeah. they, they took the laurels and they stretched them out as far as they could go. And the girls' hands ended before the laurels did. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like stretch Armstrong. Stretch yeah. yeah, stretch Vag- Armstrong. Stretch Vagina Strong. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, making sure that you're honest, that is the consensual part of consensual non-monogamy, is that your partner knows exactly what's going on, whether it be that you're all doing something together or if you're having an open relationship where you go on dates without your partner, you're honest and, and you understand you know, where each other's boundaries lie. Um, scheduling check-ins with your partner and not forgetting about the primary relationship. Again, this is about swinging. So there are other types of consensual non-monogamy where there is no hierarchy and there is no primary relationship. But if you are swinging, there is a primary relationship and making sure you check in with your primary partner to see if their boundaries have changed, to see if something cropped up that made them feel uncomfortable that now needs to be addressed before you move forward so that resentment doesn't build. Um, all of these things just lead back to the fact that uh, communication is key within any relationship, whether open or not. We are so excited to have two episodes with Dr. Justin Lay Miller. This is episode one. Please check back soon for episode Wait, number two. Hold on. Before we go there, mm. what was the side of the day? Oh, you don't oh. get to know that until episode number two. Oh. Oh, sorry. Rude. <laughs> That's so You're going to have to rude. check back later for, for that. No, listeners are checking too. episode number two <sighs> to see what the stat of the day was. Okay. So. Mm. Um, Justin didn't get it either, so it's fine. Well, it's great. It's, 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 it's only it's, fair, right? It's like uh, even Rude. if we guess, if if he didn't get it, it's like the the Jeopardy contestants don't get it. It's like, oh, I don't feel so bad. No, like, he, didn't get it. he didn't get it until the end either. Boop, boop, boop. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, all right, make sure you join us uh, for part two with Dr. Justin Lay Miller. Um, so thankful to have him on. Thankful that you listened. Thankful that you were patient enough to wait for this episode. I know a lot of people were asking about it. So we love you. We appreciate you for waiting. And we are so grateful. Make sure you check us out on What's Your Position uh, on Instagram, What's Your Position Podcast. You can email us at What's Your Position Podcast at gmail.com. You can um, also go check out our TikTok. Hey, a little turn yeah. with the TikTok. <laughs> what is my fucking handle on TikTok? Is it just What's Your Position Podcast? podcast. What's Your Position Podcast? Yep. On social media. Yeah, the, the word podcast is at the end of all of it. Just note that the uh, profile picture is not the same as what it is on Instagram. It should be. I need to fix that. Okay. Well, nope. We'll fix that. Also, <laughs> the person that has what's your position on Instagram and doesn't use their account. Can I fucking have it? I'm coming yeah. after you. I'm coming God. after you. I'd like to just I'm have it. I'm coming Thank you so much for your support thus far. Please make sure you follow us, like us, download us, share our episodes with your friends, especially if this is something that pertains to them. Maybe it doesn't pertain to you, but you know someone uh, who's considering consensual non-monogamy. Send this episode to them. Maybe it'll help. Um, Make sure you follow Sex and Psychology and Dr. Justin Lee Miller on Instagram as well. We love him very much. Big hearts. See you soon. Stay safe. Stay kind. Stay sexy. What's Your Position podcast represents the opinions of Ashley Weller and her guests. 
The content here should not be taken as medical advice and is intended for education and entertainment purposes only. Views and opinions expressed in the podcast are our own and do not represent that of our places of work. While we make every effort to ensure the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions, or correction of error. Stay safe, stay kind, and stay sexy.